This episode was recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We honour their histories, cultures and traditions of storytelling. Hello and welcome to Plated Three Food Memories. I am your host, Savas Savas. For 25 years, my catering company, Plated, has contributed food experiences to some of Australia's premier events and intimate gatherings. During this time, I've observed the relationships people have with food and devoured thousands of conversations around it. I believe that every memory can be pinned to a food experience and every food experience can trigger a memory. Food memories shape who we are and remind us where we have come from. One of my early food memories is eating a banana paddle pop on the miniature train at Bronte Beach in Sydney. Join me as we move the fork around my guest three food memories to reveal what their memories tell us about them and motivates them to make our world a better place. Each guest will share a social cause close to their heart at the end of the episode. At the 2021 Afterpay Australian Fashion Week, a spotlight was beamed onto Ioannis Spiridon Gogos. Jordan, a 27-year-old second-generation Greek-Australian, grew up in the southern suburbs of Sydney. He uses vibrant colour in textured and printed materials to create eye-catching and dramatic theatre. Jordan's designs span wearables, furniture and set design. His pieces are represented in museums and he's set to commence collaborations interstate and overseas. Jordan, thank you for joining me on Plated Three Food Memories. Thank you for having me. Kharika, buvriskes esto Plated Three Food Memories. Kalosorises, so I'm, I'm welcoming you in Greek. Jordan, tell us about the last 18 months for you. Well, I have to segment the 18 months because the past six months have been the craziness, really. I mean, since Fashion Week's happened and now the brand's going into so many different spaces. And prior to that, I just got back from New York and I didn't know what to do. (laughs) COVID happened. I was a furniture designer and I had to figure out what I was doing because we couldn't access storage. We couldn't make anything. So I got a domestic sewing machine, picked up my machine. Three months later, the Vogue editors at my house, putting into Vogue September. And I realized I had something and it kind of took off from there. And you talk about the three brands. What are they? Well, I've got Gogos, which is my furniture brand, Objects as Furniture, where I focus on the crossover between furniture and objects and how furniture exists when it's not being used because like for example a lamp for example if in the daytime isn't a lamp so how does that look aesthetically in a house you know a lot of people don't think about these kinds of things and i'm trying to really provoke that thought and then my clothing is iordani spirit on gogos which is wearables for the imaginative and we focus on really pushing boundaries material wise through practice led innovation in design which is really a development of working through unique concepts through making rather than research on paper. 
And then my set design disciplines. So I build sets and I do creative editorials and I do whatever have you. Jordan, you are second generation Greek. Yes. You identify as Greek, even though you've spent very little time in the country. Yes. Four days. Four days. My parents say to me, actually, you went there as a baby, so you need to tell people that as well. So I'm like, okay, look, I've been there for a week. But what is that thread that links you back to your Hellenicism? I've still got all my years of pause besides my Papa Spiridon, who the brand's named after. So, I mean, I went to Greek school. <laughs> I grew up in households that spoke Greek to me, especially my years and Papa's house. And I was told that I was Greek and that's really, you know, where it kind of stemmed from. And all the narratives that I had as a kid were imaginative. I had to imagine where I was from and who I was in Australia. So I guess that's the the string. Why imaginative? What's that bit about imagination? Well, I think, you know, when you're a second gen and you haven't been to Greece much and you tell people at school, I'm Greek. You are imagining pieces of your heritage and drawing lineage in your own way. When you're from Greece and you've been born in Greece, you have this this firsthand understanding rather than this trickle through of customs and traditions and stories. So I guess all these customs and stories and the Easter's and the name days and meeting all my cousins and and my grandparents, uh, sisters and brothers really was what kind of bridged my understanding of being Greek rather than a firsthand experience. So Greek school, did that include Greek dancing? I did Greek dancing. And religious studies. Religious studies. Not a a bit religious studies. I went to a Catholic school in high school. I think my Greek Orthodox background was very much passed on through my grandparents because I couldn't understand what the priest was saying in the church. Neither could I. Neither could I. So, Jordan, I'm ready to dive into these memories and that connect all of this together. Shall you start with your first one? My first one, well, my Nanu, she's very Greek. She's, you know, she's from Gatoasos, a village 10 minutes from Corinth. She's my mum's mother. And when I was growing up, I'd say, yeah, yeah. And she'd be like, you know, I'm Australian <laughs> in her thick Greek accent. Why did she come here? Well, there was... What I've understood is that Germans were overtaking the village at that point in time and they had to kind of flee. I mean, there was still her family members, some of them stayed. And I think it was just for a better life. Like the pretty much the standard immigrant you know, narrative that you hear these days is that they wanted to create a future for themselves. And that seemed like Australia at the time. And did she come here and meet? My grandfather, Emmanuel. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they, they met here and I think they were in like Matraville, like every single, you know, Greek person at the time. Yeah. Can we go back to Yaya for a moment? Well, growing up, my Yaya, but she likes to be called Nanu. She used to make a lot of spanikopita. amongst a many vast array of things. And I used to love, you know, she could never pronounce fuck yes, you know, without a smile. So fuck yes are are, are lentils. (laughs) Yes, lentil soup, which I honestly devour. It's very hard to isolate food because you talk about spanikopita, but there's not, there's always the three other things around it. You have the Greek salad, the potato salad, maybe the fried chips. She used to say, actually, when I mentioned something that I was going to talk about, she goes, you know, you really grew up with 
leg of lamb and trying to remind me that I'm vegan. And she's like, that's actually what you used to love, the leg of lamb. <laughs> For those who don't know what it is, spanagopita. Spanagopita is like a crispy phyllo pastry. It has blended or finely cut spinach. It has oregano. Maybe it has feta for those who eat feta. Olive oil. And it is baked in the oven and comes out almost like a rectangle that's crispy and golden. And it's crunchy when you go through it with a knife. And you try to steal the corners as fast as possible. (laughs) (laughs) In what shapes would she cut it? So it's rectangular. It is rectangular. And it would be a very systematic process while you gaze your eyes over the table and see who wants the corners. So you'd really cut the big corners off for the people that are in your best interest at that time and who's not pissing you off, which I would usually get. My grandfather would always be like, I deserve those and, you know, a bit smiling, but here's a bit serious. (laughs) But it would be a rectangular square design that was cut through crisscross. A crisscross crisscross. Absolutely, yeah. Nothing too complicated. So this Yaya, what was her name? Well, her actual Greek name is Hariklia, but she's known as Grace. And I call her Nanu. <laughs> well, how do you go from Hariklia to Grace? I mean, we do this, my culture, my family did the same thing with me. I went from Sava to Stephen. I'm not even a Stephen. Right. So Hariklia, Grace, what is, what is that? I mean, the only way I could frame it from my perspective was I was meant to be named Spiridon from a kid. And obviously in, you know, even 10, 20 years ago, you'd get bullied in school for a Greek name. And I guess that's kind of where it stemmed from. It's like my mum said to me from a young age, I didn't want to get bullied at school because we grew up in such a white area. So I can imagine in the 50s or 60s, saying grace is a lot more digestible than Heraklia. So I think that's where it came from. And so now these days we all go back to our Greek names because you you didn't go back to yours? No, no. My name is Jordan, but I introduced informally, not legally, the middle name Spiridon. <laughs> Wonderful. So let's talk more about that, how she would make the spanakopita. So she's gone from hand chopping the, the spinach and the ingredients to now the food processor, which she feels like is a lot easier for her which I don't blame her because as if you're going to hand chop anymore, no one's got time for that. So yeah, she would hand chop it all. And what she actually does now is, and I've watched her, she gets it from the best way that she feels like it makes it crunchy is once all the onions and the spinach is in the food processor, she kind of grabs it out and she squeezes it so that all the water and the juice is as little as possible. What spinach does she use? Is English spinach the loose leaf? The loose leaf. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> she uses lakana. She uses yeah, that yeah, big yeah. silver yeah, bead, that, that sort of fibrous. Absolutely. With a white stalk up the guts. Absolutely, yeah. And then she puts it through the processor. She squeezes it with her little fingers. Yeah. all the juice out. Very strong fingers. Really. They are very strong. And honestly, all my grandparents, they are tiny, tiny women. <laughs> they are up to my, like, not even chest. And they... Honestly, my yaya, my other yaya, and this yaya, they have the strongest hands in the world. <laughs> Never underestimate it and don't go into a hand wall with them. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so that she squeezes all that the, the, the liquid out of the mixture. What happens next? Well, with the bought phyllo pastry these days, she lays it out. She pastes it with a lot of olive oil and maybe a bit of butter, maybe. I don't know. I feel like I imagine the butter because I I don't trust her with this veganism. I feel like she secretly does a few ingredients sometimes and tries to trickle them through to me and just watch me intently as I bite into it and goes, oh, I didn't realize it wasn't vegan. She knows 
very well what she's doing. Your veganism. Yes. How did you get there? Was it a slow transition? Did you go from eating absolutely everything to vegetarianism, pescatarianism, and why? I went through all these motions. Like I was like, I'm, I, for me at the time, it was I was dating someone whose mum was vegetarian and she was a complete bitch. Like <laughs> hated me. And I just wanted to impress her a bit. So it kind of triggered it from that point because she would sit around the table. and she'd be Why like, did she hate you? You know, we're really young. And I think she had her own traumas of like her young love. And she used to project a lot of that onto us and be like, and she'd tell her son a lot, like, you know, I don't want you to like what happened to me. So I think from, you know, it was my first relationship anyway. So it wasn't like I was some veteran in dating. Um, and <laughs> I don't think any of us are. No, fuck no. <laughs> uh, you know, and yeah, I think it was just something that was, there was just this tension of her baby son was being taken out of the nest. And I was, you know, and I think when you're always dating the first person, you're the first person dating your kid, right? You're kind of the experiment boyfriend or girlfriend. <laughs> so you gave up lamb to impress the bitch. I did. <laughs> but that was that was that's a that's a big big sacrifice. But anyway, digress. No. You know, and I remember as a kid and this is so weird, there was an ad, there was a big campaign about pork and they basically were so conniving and they really targeted the young gen because it had kids they, this pig with a with a 3-year-old's voice and it was like I'm I've got a mind of a 3-year-old and and I was like to mom, I can't eat pork. Literally from when I was like in year four or five. So I would have been nine or 10 and I just stopped eating pork and I just got really grossed out very easily because I was like, uh, uh, uh. and I stopped drinking dairy because it kept giving me acne. And at that time I hadn't kissed anyone. And I was like, I need to stop drinking dairy so I can get rid of my acne. I've got braces on an acne. I'm going to cut dairy out and my skin cleared up. And it kind of just started from there. So how did your mum respond? My mum's really nonchalant. Like she's really kind of a cool mum, single parent. My household was not systematic. She's very like, whatever. But she's also very like, oh my God, how do you eat that? Like, you know, while she's like tucking into her meat. So I think it's like a bit of a play between having those little jabs, but it's always a bit fun. But she's just like, whatever. You know, I'm not going to make three separate meals every time, but you know, whatever. Can you share with us some of the jobs you've had prior to designing? I have had probably 30 jobs. I think- Can you give us like two or three of the jobs? McDonald's, Toys R Us, Bank. I mean, I've done, I've handed out pamphlets at the front of schools and train stations. I've walked around Vivid with like a big jacket signing people up to news comms. I was working in marketing for six years up until last year. And in the background of all of this, is this where the design and the creating and the imagination is just ticking over? Yeah, you know, you need, for me, creativity doesn't funnel, like financial retribution or whatever, does not funnel back into itself. You have to bring money from the outside into creativity. Selling an artwork does not equate to more artwork. It's just not how the cookie crumbles. So you've got a very good understanding of the economics of financing and funding creativity. You learn it very quick. <laughs> when you when you make an artwork and you sell it and you go, wait, I've got to pay rent with this and I've got to eat and I've got to pay for new materials for my next artwork and my phone and da 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 it's like, oh wait, <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> and when did all these miscellaneous jobs and employment, when did it all fall away and the real stuff start coming to the top? I took the leap. I've been working in marketing. I used to fly around Australia. No one knew about it. You know, it was like my alias. I had a LinkedIn and I was working with, I specialized in healthcare marketing. 
And I basically just took the leap about mid last year. I only graduated uni in November last year. And I think I left the job maybe two months prior to that. And I was like, I'm going to go full freelance. And I just went in. And I think when, you know, it's a sink or swim scenario, you're either going to completely expand your practice and make it so adaptable to what you're needing. If there's not other money coming in, you kind of change your practice really dramatically for like three months and go real hard and you sell yourself and you explain yourself to people very intently. And you're like, There's a lot of the Onisia dramatic flourish in your designs. I'm wondering, is there a link between that and Yaya Spanagobuta? Well, dialogue is is cooking. It's the way you're acting. I mean, it is, you know, a Greek person in the kitchen is banging, screaming, running in and out, telling everyone to fuck off. You know, like, I'm going to do the, I'm going to do, you know, I'll get the bowls. Just go inside. It's very, it's not just a a very straightforward process, right? (laughs) You know, it's also about kind of relating it back to yourself. Mum, I just hope you're listening to this bit because Jordan is describing yeah. you. Yeah. But, you know, there's definitely that fiery energy in the kitchen. And I think that's like, you know, because it's the spotlights on them and you can't ignore that there is there is men and women roles in that generation. And, you know, I think there's a lot of space taken up by the man and their contribution to the family and financially and all that. And I think it's their way of kind of reclaiming that power and that dynamic in that space. It's their, especially, you know, for my grandparents, I think. I think it's wonderful that you recognize the the gender roles in Greek cooking and culture, yet your work doesn't. Well, time is, for me, it's about reflecting the times <laughs> and not just reflecting the times, looking at a futurism of time. And of course, if I can see something, why would I regurgitate what I'm seeing? I want to, I'm projecting my experiences into what I want to see. Is it a bad thing that I've seen gender roles? Yes, growing up. You know, there's a lot of people that take it literally, but you'd hope that you can look at something and make it better for yourself. I don't ever feel there was a problem. There were very definite gender roles in our family. Right. The men did this, the women did this. But I never felt there was an inequality. In actual fact, on both sides of my family, the women ruled. Like the women with their voice, they ruled the house, they called the shots. Yeah. That sounds pretty much like what it was in your family. Yes. I mean, I think there's that, but you know, the, every family has their own, you know, version of it. In terms of fashion, tell us about Yaya's style. Well, she doesn't wear black. She, because she lost two brothers out of the 10. And whenever I wear black, she's like, oh my gosh, you look like someone's died in a funeral because, you know, Greek people wear black for 40 days or longer. Some people never stop wearing black after, you know, they've lost someone. So she, I remember she used to wear these tailored coats and pencil skirts that were all white or completely um, multicolored. She wears the most print eccentric outfits and it's an explosion of color actually. So do you go, yeah, yeah, wardrobe. New collection? She matches. I mean, she is so funny. I did a Celine thing with GQ and I, it was all these blazers that were two and a half thousand dollars. And she was looking through the thing going two and a half thousand. Anyway, so she ran upstairs and she grabbed this blazer and she goes, I'll show you. I've got something exactly like it. She comes downstairs in this beautiful brown coat that she used to wear and puts it on. And it was, it was kind of swimming on her. <laughs> like <laughs> It looks quite big, but, and she just stood there so proud. And she was like, I have 
So, like, you know, she was almost like an F you to fashion, really. It was like... An F you to fashion and fuck you, I'm still relevant. Absolutely. Yeah, wow. And, you know, she pairs outfits better than I do. She was she wears red socks, red sneakers, red, um, red scarf, cardigan. Like, she is technicolored, matching. I can't keep up. Jordan? Let's move on to your second food memory. So my Papu Spiron, he was from Sayada Ipiros. He used to make on his name day and other special occasions. Sublaki. <laughs> can we just can we just circle back to a names day? What is a names day and why is it so important? In fact, it's actually more in our culture, it's more important than a birthday. Well, my understanding of it is it's the saint's name. So sp- the Saint Spiridon. Do you know much about Saint Spiridon? I know that he, uh, no. <laughs> I know Saint George. I was thinking Saint George. My dad's name's George, but no, I don't know much about Saint Spiridon. Saint Spiridon was um, a regal. He was quite a regal character. He was a, a, a clergyman. He was born and died in Cyprus. He then was buried with his relics. And when the Arabs invaded Cyprus, they moved him and his relics across to Constantinople. And when they opened the relics, they found a beautiful basil plant that was still alive. So this is why he's considered quite a, a, a regal, kingly-like, Vasiliko character. And then when the Ottomans took over Constantinople, him and his body and all his relics moved to Corfu, where he's become the patron saint there, and very kingly. Wow! So, does is this much about? Does this speak much of your bapu? Oh, it does to me, you know. And he was absolutely, but he, yeah. So the name day, I guess, is the supplement for a birthday. Really, it's a feast day celebrating the saint, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and you call everyone up and you say Ronya Pola, <laughs> and you best know, wishes. Best wishes. And you celebrate with a lot of food and a lot of alcohol and a lot of oh, backgammon. Is that it? Tavli. Tavli. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I never knew how to play, um, but I always watched and I'd always, you know. The noise of the little beads and blocks moving in the, and the, and the. Yeah. Die. The die. I think what I was so, what I remember so prominently about it was, was for other occasions, there's, for example, speaking of my other yaya, that they cook the meal. But the souvlaki is actually made by everybody. You have the women and the kids and everyone actually putting the souvlaki on the stick and who wants capsicum or, you know, the zucchini or the onion. And it's this whole thing of the chicken or the lamb or chicken and lamb. It's all these different iterations and versions. And then the barbecue starts with all the men outside and, you know, they're all drinking and you can smell the, the coals kind of engulfing you with this just startup which you can smell and the ritual around the lighting of the coals is just it's like next level i mean what is your experience of the ritual (laughs) well it's it's just this thing you know my grandmother did it and my mother her daughter do the same thing they would yell out to you know my grandfather and my father Ilya, it's time to put the carvana on yeah and then the poor man would drag the trough and put all the coal in and then he'd use this i don't know this kind of a a tin funnel kind of yeah chimney thing and yeah then it we're would a bit just less be... formal than that oh really how did you do it oh we just had the you know the open grill thing you know like the like the barbecue the barbecue 
Yeah, which had the coals in it. No top, no nothing. It was just the nice, yeah. And maybe, and I think some electric ones, like the tiny little ones that they'd put on the stairs if there was a big party. The souvla is king. Yeah, and the actual ornament, or well, I call it an ornament, but the barbecue itself is round. There's not, it's not up against a wall like a traditional Aussie barbecue. It's round in the backyard. So people circle around it and come around it. It's quite an inviting central piece. You know, you kind of gravitate towards before you kind of venture off into your own table or speaking with other people. You kind of walk, check it out, say hello, give your rounds, hugs, kisses, and then you kind of find your place at the party. It's a fire pit. It's kind of almost, it does what a fire pit doesn't it, doesn't it, the Sauvla? Exactly. People come around it and it's very tribal kind of too. Completely. It is very unifying. It's very, it's a a central focus. It's like the eye (laughs) of the party. Your third food memory, Jordan. My third food memory is Yaya Rita. And you might notice a little common thread here because it is with the pita, which is very similar to Spanikopita. Almost could be the same, but a very different approach <laughs> to cooking because Yaya used to roll out. So she would prepare the dough with very simple ingredients, just flour and water, mixed in it would go into the freezer i feel like i wanted to comment then because i was just thinking about what my family did but then comment you well you can't because everyone is just so unique and different in the way do you know what i mean it's everyone is greeks are very protective like much like a lot of people are but this is the way i do things this is the way i've learned and it's something that they hold on because in that is the memory of where they learned it and that memory can be up to 60 70 years old so Mm. i was just thinking about my mother and her grandmother so no back to back to Yaya's memory. Yes, yeah, so Yaya used to make the dough and, you know, with like those plastic bags from Coles, the little, like just literal clear ones, she'd put it in, wrap it up and she'd make heaps of balls. So she would get these plastic containers and plastic bags. She would put her dough in them. She'd put her dough in them and it would go in the freezer. Very rarely fresh. I don't remember that. But it would defrost when she was ready. And with this wooden stick that was about a meter long, She'd put it down and roll it out. And well, she'd roll it out from rolling it out small and then flipping it, you know, and it's, it'd kind of hang evenly on this stick each time and then flip it over and roll it out until you got to a place that was almost a meter big. It was like if you get your hands and you kind of do a big, big circular hug, that that's the size of it. And from there, I think there'd be about three of them. So there'd be three rolled out. And then when the tray was there, it'd be drenched in olive oil. It would be lightly played with it overhanging. And then the ingredients, which was actually rice with a lot of salt and pepper, quite peppered rice actually. And this separately cooked lamb was then mixed together, very basic kind of cooking. And I think everything was quite singular. Like there wasn't many components to Greek cooking anyway. And the, the, the lamb and the rice was put into the basin and then the circle overhanging, because obviously it's quite large, would then be lightly placed like a gift over it. And then there might be an extra layer of the dough that would be put on top, but there was always the cutoffs. You know, you're not gonna do layers on top, which are five layers thick. So 
when the cutoffs were happening, I remember I, you know, the only, I sat at the table watching the whole time. She'd flick me the the cutoffs. I'm like, yeah, 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 like uh, you know. And you'd like kind of bite it off and be like, oh, actually, it doesn't taste that nice, you know. And then and then you'd kind of like stuck in your fingers and making these like things out of it, rolling it, trying to be like as creative or imaginative as what she was doing. And what what did you make? What were you making? You know, I mean, look, nothing spectacular, but I would just make almost like Play-Doh. I was huge on Lego. Making things with your hands, is it the source of your creativity? Yes, but you can imagine, right, you have a Greek family and you're projected to be this lawyer or businessman in the future. Did you get a feeling that's what they wanted for you? Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. Till even, honestly, this year, really. I think it was honestly my Fashion Week show that kind of hit home. My grandparents cried like babies. Like They, they were, came to the show. Oh, uh, yeah. It's my grandfather was dancing on the seat in the security because COVID, you couldn't have people standing at that point. And they had to tell him to sit down. So he... He, he flipped quite drastically and he couldn't even watch the show without crying. My nan came into the backstage and I'm getting interviewed by all these things. And she was like, that was beautiful. It was fabulous. It was everything. Like, and I never had that validation ever, you know, because you're kind of almost like telling people what you're achieving creatively, especially your family, unless there's monetary success backing it, which is very different in this world, especially when you're starting off. They don't really know what you're doing. And you kind of say, oh, I've got all these amazing things on. And they're like, oh, you're getting paid for it. And they're like, okay, yeah. you're a beggar. You're literally a beggar. You have a degree. You've got a double degree in media and design. And you're doing this free work for who? You know? So I was, yeah, I, I definitely was not uh, like applauded really for what I was doing. It was like, oh, we hope you're doing something good. You know, I can't believe you're doing all this stupid stuff if, you know, you've got this, you, you left your beautiful job, you should be working nine to five and this, that and the other. And I think everyone in my family was a bit guilty in backtracking a bit now. From what I understand, your designs and creativity is clearly very personal for you. When I do something, I'm welcoming you into my world of Yordanis and you're buying into that or engaging in that because you see something in yourself, like you want your kids to have an understanding of not like there's no gender norms or this or that. And there's aspects of it that you're resonating with. You don't have to understand the whole zest, but you could be excited about it and go, I see myself as someone that wants to think outside the box or someone who wants to break boundaries in my own way through dialogue or dialects. And there's aspects that that adds value. And that's the difference between having a wider reach and a wider impact versus a more micro private space of creativity, which they were never able to break that boundary or box. You've now traveled pretty extensively and you're constantly having new experiences, yet you've chosen three food memories that are close to home and deeply connected to family. Spanagopitasuvlagi and Bita. Why is that? Because that's what shaped me. My food is something that you're communicated across. Like it's the one time of the day that you stop with your family, right? That is where you're, you are schooled. You are absolutely applauded. You're, you're, you know, your hand is held. You're smiled at. That is imprints, whether they're very visual and they come in and out, you know, their feelings, they're tangible, it's tangible. Jordan, 
Now tell us about your social justice cause. My social justice cause is Pay the Rent. And Pay the Rent is an Indigenous organisation that basically you pay for the land that you are living on, which is Indigenous stolen land. And I think the whole thing about Pay the Rent is the disproportion of privilege in Australia, especially white privilege, that is founded and we profit from the social and economic disparation between Indigenous people and everyone who's come here. So you basically pay a portion like you do your house, you pay rent. They only say about 10 or 4% or 1%. It's very small. And it's like paying a coffee and it's just giving back to and acknowledging the land that you're living on and benefiting from. Australia is not a new country. It is a 60,000 year old country and I'm living on it and I'm doing amazing things and I'm living a really rich life here, but it is a place that wasn't ours 200 years ago before we colonized. So it is completely acknowledging the land I'm on first and foremost before even my alignment. It's just genuine respect and acknowledgement of country that you're living on. Jordan, thank you so much for being part of this with me this morning. My absolute pleasure. It was a very beautiful experience for me, um, this episode, because I was able to connect with my own cultural experiences. I saw the joy and the ignites. I felt like I pressed things and you did the same for me where it was just like these sparks of like, I had that, I did that, I can see that. <laughs> thank you very, very much. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to Plated Three Food Memories. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends about it online or in person. You can also subscribe, rate it and write a review. Bye for now.